This Jew walks into a uh, a bar, and other Gentiles in the bar, they're looking at this Jew. Let's let's have some fun with him. So one of them says to the other, "You know, I have a little bit left money left. I think I'm gonna go buy General Motors." And the second guy says, "Yeah, me too. I also have some money left. I think I, I think I'm going to invest and buy Microsoft." And the third guy's like, "Yeah, I also have another investment I want to do. I'm going to buy Toyota." So Jew is sitting there with his beer, and he says, "Not selling." <laughs> we live in a society where uh, pain isn't something that uh, meant the same thing that it did a hundred years ago. Pain is n- not looked at the same way it did before. Okay, our chassan kala are here. Okay, baruch Hashem. Come sit down next to. Uh... Okay. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Okay, let's get started. Sorry about that. Here we go. Taking some drinks on the table. All right, let's go. Okay, getting back to our subject. So, the uh, Middle Rebbe was known for his tremendous power of concentration. Famous story that I'm sure most of you heard before. The Middle Rebbe was once studying Torah. And he was living in a two-story building. And while he's so engrossed in the study of Torah, he didn't notice that his baby had fallen out of the crib. But meanwhile, his father, the Alter Rebbe, who was living on the, on the top store, story of this building, he went down to the top story, and he picked up the, the baby, and he cuddled the baby until the baby was calmed down. And, uh, and during this whole entire time, the Mitla Rebbe didn't notice anything. He was totally engrossed in his studies, didn't hear anything, didn't notice anything. So afterwards, the Al-Tarebbe said to him that whatever is going on, you always have to hear the cry of a child. doesn't matter what level you're reaching spiritually, what you're studying, what knowledge you have, you always have to hear the cry of a child. This is very significant to this week's Torah portion, because the name of this week's Torah portion is Baalescha. Baalescha literally means when you'll get higher. But the subject of this week's Torah portion is what it starts off with is lighting the menorah. The question is, why does lighting the menorah mean to, why is it associated with going, getting higher? So, Rashi says that when the Kohen lit the menorah, he had to make sure that the flame kissed the wick 
for the amount of time that it would take for the fire to catch on until the fire would rise on its own, until it would go up by itself. So that's why Baalizcha means to go higher because you light the menorah. It's not enough just to light the menorah. You have to make sure that the fire catches and it goes up by itself. So similarly, the Rebbe spoke about how this week is a special energy to reach out to another person who may or not know they're crying, may not know that they're missing something. You have to reach out to them and give them what they're missing. Their neshama is missing. They may not know their fire hasn't been lit yet. If, but you have to reach out to them until, not just that their fire is lit, but they don't, until they don't need you anymore. Until the fire rises on its own means that everyone, you know, all of us, we all, we all have learned from our teachers, from our friends, from our rabbis, from tzaddikim, all of received from, from, the, from a support system. But the theme of Palaischa is your fire rises by itself. It also means, by the way, that you create an environment in your home that your home is such an environment that when you walk into certain places you walk into and you just want to dance. So there's just a setting of dancing, right? So certain places you walk into and you want to and you want to read. Some places you walk into you want to fall asleep. Some people they're sitting in the front row and I give my sermon and I, before I even say anything, people are already falling already sleeping. What I, what I say to put you to sleep, I trust you, Rabbi. Anyway, so 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 uh, so similarly, we're supposed to create an environment in our homes that, that is conducive, that makes us want to learn Torah, that makes us want to give stuck, that makes us want to be, be who we're supposed to be. And also for our children, many times they ever spoke about the power of giving your child his very own siddur, giving your child his very own chumash. It shouldn't be that he is studying Torah or, or praying because you're telling him to pray. It should be his own thing. And the best way to make it his own thing is by giving him the tools to make it his own thing. Give him his own siddur, his own chumash, his own charity box. Just have his name on the charity box. It should be his. There is um, there was a chassid of the Rebbe Rashab who came to Rebbe Rashab with the following question: Among chassidim, the highest title is a chassid. Literally, in the time of the Gemara, chassid meant someone who was pious. But chassidim, time from time of Al Shemtiv, consider that to be the highest level. Be a chassid. What is a chassid? He asked the Rebbe Rashab. So Rebbe Hashab said the following. In those days, they would have these street lamps. And it was a lamp lighter who would take a, a, uh, a fire on the end, end of a long stick. And he would light up all the lamps with this long stick. The Rebbe Hashab said he knows the fire is not his own. And he goes with this lamp, with this a stick, and he, with his long stick, and he lights up all the lamps. So the Chassid said to Rebbe Rashab, what do you do if the lamps are in the ocean? What do you do if the lamps are in the desert? So the Rebbe Rashab said, if the lamps are in the desert, you have to go light the lamp in the desert until the desert is embarrassed that it's a desert and will stop being a desert. What do you do if it's in the ocean? The Rebbe Rashab thought for a second and he said, you take off your clothing, jump in the ocean, and light the lamp in the ocean. That's, that, that's basically the story. And then the chassid added one more thing, one more part. Is that a chassid? The Rebbe Ashab said, yes, that's a chassid. What's exchange over here? What, what are they talking about? Obviously, they're talking about souls, shamas, and the ability and the need and the empowerment of each of us to be a lamplighter, to light up another neshama, give another neshama a connection to who they really are and to their soul mission. 
So the Chassid tells the Rabbi Asha, but what do I do if the person's in a desert? What's it, what does a desert mean? A desert means a place that's, that's uh, empty, no people can live there. Spiritual desert means a place where there's no Torah, there's no fear of heaven, just an empty place. So the Chassid said, what do I do in such an empty place of destruction that nothing can grow there? What do I do about that place? Whatever Rabbi said, you have to go to that place too. Light the fire there too. Don't be embarrassed. And, and the contrary, by bringing light there, the person will realize that there's something that needs to be, that his, that his current situation leaves much to be desired. I'll want to do more. But then the, the guy asked the Rebbe Rashab, what about the ocean? The ocean represents, the, it says in the Talmud, water means Torah. An ocean means somebody who's full of Torah. What are you going to do? Someone's full of Torah. And yet their fire is not yet kindled. Because although they're full of Torah, but the, the, the light of Torah hasn't penetrated them. They may know a lot of Gemara, and a lot of Chumash, a lot of Halacha, but they haven't touched the light of Torah. So you're going to tell them another page of Torah, another Gemara, another Halacha. They, they know it all. They're, they're an ocean full of Torah. So Rebbe Rashab said, for that, you have to take off your clothing. Taking off your clothing means, in order to reach someone's neshama, who, is, who all the Torah hasn't helped them, the only way to reach such a person's neshama is by stripping all the layers of yourself and talking to them from the very core of your being. You have to talk to them from the essence of your neshama, and only if you talk to them from the essence of your neshama can you reach other person's neshama. But that seems like a big, tall order. Because to become, be so vulnerable to somebody who is so cold and so distant, when the person could really like, you know, like write you off, it, uh, it's, not, it's not so easy. So that's where the, that's where the chassid asked again, is that a chassid? And then Rashi had to think, yes, that's a chassid. That, that's, why, that's what... That, that's what Hashem demands of each of us. He demands of each of us not just to help the person who's in the desert, but even to help the person who's in the ocean, which in a way is much harder. Because someone has all that knowledge, and yet you still have to look past that knowledge and say, no, this is a child of Hashem, and this person's frigidity doesn't mean they don't have a soul. And uh, that's what this, this, the power of this week is about. Lighting up another person's Hashem. In that theme, lighting up, lighting up, uh, up another person's Hashem, there's a beautiful, beautiful teaching of the Rebbe connected to a very famous story of the Parsha, which gives us a lot of insight of what this means. A lot of things in our life happen very, very quickly. So quickly that, you know, you don't... You, you could lose so many opportunities if, you, if, you don't, if you're not conscious. You're not, if you don't hear the cry of the child, you could lose a lot of opportunity because you don't, you don't know what the, what's going on in the person's life. You could, you could delay something, and opportunity is lost, and you, don't, you wouldn't even know it. And that theme... Uh, we see in the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, this week's Torah portion. And in this week's Torah portion, we see that, Mo, that Miriam and Aaron are talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's one of the most important things in the Torah. The Torah says to us, every single day, remember the story of how they spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu. What did they say about Moshe Rabbeinu? They said about Moshe Rabbeinu that uh, how dare he leave his wife, Moshe Rabbeinu left his wife, Zipporah, God told Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of the revelation of Mount Sinai, stand, everyone go back to their tents. But you, Moshe Rabbeinu, God said to him, stand here with me. Which meant Moshe Rabbeinu was not meant to go back to regular married life after the giving of the Torah. He was supposed to stay with God and not, get, not, 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 not be married anymore. But the other siblings of Moshe Rabbeinu were also prophets. Aaron was a prophet. And Miriam was a prophetess. So they wondered, how come God can reveal himself to them and they can stay married? And Moshe can't. And they, they say there must be something wrong with Moshe. He's doing something wrong. And although Miriam meant well, and although her brother meant well, yet the Torah says that there was a mistake. And because of their mistake, 
Aaron and Miriam were smitten with Saras, with this miraculous disease we don't have anymore nowadays. And uh, the Torah, though, no, says... I, so this, uh, Miriam, not Moshe. Sorry, not, not Aaron, not Aaron, correct. Right, sorry, only Aaron, not Miriam. Right, I'm sorry, only Miriam, not Aaron. Thank you. So, the question is, the Gemara says a silver lining in the story. Rashi says... When Miriam got smitten with this disease, the Torah says that Moshe prayed for her, and he, God said that they should wait for her to heal. Seven days. Why wait for her seven days? Because she had a great merit. What was her great merit? Very good. When Moshe Rabbeinu was born, Moshe Rabbeinu uh, was being threatened to be killed by the Egyptians. So Miriam took Moshe and put him in the basket, and she waited and watched Moshe Rabbeinu for an hour or so until Moshe Rabbeinu was, was rescued by, by Pare's daughter, Batya. So because Miriam waited for Moshe, therefore all the Jewish people waited for Miriam. That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara actually says that when you do something, God pays you back measure for measure. But that's measure for measure is just for negative things. For positive things, the Gemara says Hashem pays you back 500 times more. And actually it works out 500 times more. How so? Because uh, in an, uh, how many hours there in a week? A week has 168 hours. And she waited for Moshe Rabbeinu for about uh, 20 minutes. So uh, it comes out that, that all the Jewish people were waiting for her for a week was 500 times more than the time that she was waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to be, to be rescued. But the obvious question is like this. The words the Gemara uses is that because she waited for Moshe Rabbeinu, therefore she was honored. Let me ask you a question. Let's say she wasn't honored. Let's say the people left her in the desert. Where would she be? She wouldn't, she wouldn't have survived. They're leaving Moshe Rabbeinu aside. I'm sorry. They're leaving Miriam stuck in the desert would have meant the end of her life. That would have meant she wouldn't have lived anymore. So how can we say with something that's done for her honor? What about honor? It's something that's needed for her survival. What means her honor? So the answer is like this. There is a rule about someone who has tzaras, someone who speaks Lashon Hara, someone who speaks negatively of others, the Torah says, because they spoke negatively of someone else, they're supposed to be distanced from everybody else. They have to go outside the camp. Because they cause distance between husband and wife, between people, therefore the Torah says, let them be distanced. So part of their therapy is being away from people. That therapy could only take place when there is a camp. If the Jewish people are traveling, so then there is no... The, the, the beginning of the cure of Tzaras cannot begin yet. Because the cure only begins when there is a camp, that you're outside of the camp. So if the Jewish people would have traveled before she would have healed, she wouldn't have been left alone. They would, she would have gone with them. However, her cure would not have begun. Her cure only begins when, when, when she could be outside the camp. When there's no camp and everyone's traveling, then, then the cure cannot begin. So it's not a question of, of life and death. It was purely a question of her being in pain for a little while longer. Had the Jewish people traveled right away as they were meant to go, and they, they would have gotten seven days closer to the Holy Land, seven days faster, had they done that, so Miriam would have suffered for seven more days until they would have camped, and instead they waited for her for seven days to be cured, so she could be cured seven days earlier. But we're still left with the question. 
What did Miriam do for Moshe Rabbeinu? She didn't just honor Moshe Rabbeinu. She didn't just, she didn't just uh, do something which is a little bit nice for him. She saved his life. She stood there until Batya came and rescued him. So the truth is, so why are we talking about that she was rewarded with honor? She saved his life. So the answer is like this. She really didn't actually save his life. What happened was, when Moshe Rabbeinu was discovered by Parah's daughter, so Moshe Rabbeinu refu- refused to nurse from all of the Egyptian uh, servants. And therefore, Miriam comes forth and she says, I know why he's not, why he's not nursing, because he is a Jewish baby and he needs to have the nurse from a Jewish woman. And that's when he was reunited with his mother. Miriam was the one who came forward and said that. What would have happened had Miriam not been there? It would have taken a little bit longer. It wouldn't have been that Moshman wouldn't have died, rather, it would have taken a little longer. So the idea of Miriam being rewarded with, with Jewish people staying with her for a week is very similar to what she did for Moshe She took away his pain much faster when he was a baby and he needed to nurse. Had she not been there, it would have taken a long time until they would have figured out why he's not nursing. But because she was there, she took away the pain fast. So we see from this is, is that Hashem rewarded her not because of something, something incredible she saved his life, because she took away the baby's pain faster. A lot of times a, uh, parents have a bigger choice between staying up all night uh, it looks like you did that last night. I don't know. But anyways, we'll maybe just try. So anyway, so, so, so they, they make a choice. Or the baby shouldn't cry. Either I'm going to sleep or the baby's not going to cry. And, and you could lose out on the ability to really help someone if you don't, you're not sensitive to their cry. You, if you don't notice what's going on in that person's life, you could really, could really miss out something. And, it's, and the Torah is telling us to value the, the temporary pain in your life. Temporary pain in other people's lives. Don't think because it's temporary, they'll get through it. It's not true. Think about your own life. I know I was thinking about this myself yesterday. Some things that, like, like some people were there for me at certain moments, I would have gotten through life without it. But, but it made such a difference. When you're going through pain, that makes such a difference. Someone's there for you when you're in pain. There was an Israeli soldier who, unfortunately, he was, uh, he was shot. And while the ambulance was on its way, other soldier literally had to hold the wounds shut until the ambulance came. And he had not been there, the guy Hashem would have died. So he, he, the paramedics came, the ambulance came, and they brought him to the hospital, and he notified the parents that this guy's in the hospital, he was attacked, and can imagine the parents, so the grief they have, their son's in the hospital. And uh, so, to make a long story short, Shlomo is in the hospital. Shlomo is in terrible pain. Shlomo's in, life is in danger. And the other soldier, Yaakov, told the parents, and the parents come. Thank God Shlomo survives. The parents felt a need to thank Yaakov. Yaakov is the one who saved their son's life. You held on to him until the paramedics came. He saved their son's life. We need to thank Yaakov. Um, hello, Mefaked. Yaakov is Mefaked. Which, but we, I know what you're talking about. Which soldier? We don't know which soldier. Which Yaakov? Which, they had no idea. So they wanted to, th- and the mother, the father felt like a need. We need to thank the soldier who said to save the son's life, but they had no idea who to, who to speak to. So they had this little makolet in Kirit Malachi, near Ashkelon. They had a little, little, little grocery store. So you know, among Jews, news travels fast sometimes. 
So they put up a little sign in the grocery store. If you know the soldier, on this and this day, you'll help my son's wound and save my son's life, give me a call. And they had this in their, in their, in their grocery store for a while. And eventually uh, they discovered, I think, it had, I think someone put on the radio for them, but, event, but they, did, they did discover the, well, it was one Arab Shabbat, it was one Friday afternoon, and they called Yaakov to meet Shlomo. And Yaakov's father came and Shlomo's father and they all met together at the grocery store. They're at the grocery store, and of course, you know, they embrace and, they, and, and they're, they're so thankful. And they said, we, 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 the mothers of, of Shlomo says, now I finally feel like whole again because I, I felt missing my life. I didn't have a chance to thank the one who gave us our son. You gave me my life. You gave me my son. You're the angel who gave me my life. And the mother of Yaakov says to Shlomo's parents, you don't remember me? No, we don't remember you. She said, when I was, I used to be struggling financially terribly, and, and uh, I was pregnant, and I said, come to your supermarket to buy bread, to buy milk, and I decided that I was going to Hashem abort the child, but I just couldn't handle the, the financial pressure. But what, and I, when, you're, when, when you heard that, you and your husband sat me down, and you explained to me, the sweetest sound in the world is to, for a mother to hear the word ima from her child. And you explained to me what it means to be a mother, and how precious it is, and how it's a gift of God, and you can't mix into God's plans, and this can't tamper with life. And, we, and when, all, when, you, when you gave that to me, you convinced me that I have to have this child. And that child... Yaakov saved Shlomo's life. So it all, it all comes back. Whatever we do for other people, all, all, all comes back. But the, the thing that, 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 this, that this teaching of the Torah is telling us is not just that it's worth to help other people, not just that, that but it's helping someone be in pain for a small amount of time. It, it takes someone out of pain for a small, just a little bit of pain, take, taking someone away, their pain away for a short amount of time, not forever. Taking away someone's pain for a short amount of time is is uh, whether it's a spiritual pain because person doesn't know his, his fire is not lit yet, or it's a physical pain. Person needs a place to stay for a night. Person needs a meal. So you think it's just a temporary thing? The Torah says now you have to listen to the cry of another person, hear them out. Even though the person might not be might, might, might not be crying, the person might say, "Oh, it's okay." To hear to hear the person, and the Torah says it, it all comes back to you. And so that's what that's what I want to share tonight. And anyone have any question, comment, criticism? Tomatoes, cucumbers, Sheva Brachas. Okay, we have, guys, don't go away. We, we need to do Sheva Brachas, Afas and Kala. Did anybody wash here tonight? Yes. Who did you wash? You wash also? Yes. A one, a two, a three, and a four. Okay, so let's make him a zoom in and do Sheva Brachas.